As we think about the mission Christ has given the church to make disciples of all nations, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. After all, we have our sins and weaknesses, so what do we have to offer? In this message from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, David Platt encourages us to let our witness to Christ overflow out of our relationship with Christ. As we rest in Jesus, we will begin to reflect His compassion to the entire world. Through His Spirit, Jesus not only meets our needs, but also uses us to meet the needs of others. This is the Radical with David Platt podcast. Here is David with a message titled, The Miracle Involves You. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 30. Can you imagine Jesus and his disciples coming together and sharing all that they had done and taught in these ways? And Jesus beginning to debrief with them. And they start to realize this is only the beginning. In a way that, well, I'm I'm guessing you saw this coming. Today is not really the end of anything when it comes to mission. Because this is our life as followers of Jesus. We live on a mission trip as long as we're in this world. And when we get to heaven, we won't be sharing the gospel anymore with people to lead them to Jesus. We'll be celebrating the gospel forever. So we're on a mission trip from now until then, wherever we go, whoever we're around. And this is where I just want to encourage us as a church in this city where over 5 million people are in need of Jesus, in a world where over 3 billion people don't have access to the gospel right now, I want to encourage us in the same ways as Jesus encouraged these disciples. So four specific ways. You might write them down as they come back from this mission trip. And all start with R, so maybe just to help you remember them. So the first word is rest. This is how I want to encourage us. One, let's rest in relationship with Jesus. Rest in relationship with Jesus. So watch what happened on this day when their mission trip ended. Starting in verse 31, Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in in the boat to a desolate place. That's the second time we see that phrase, by themselves, just them and Jesus. I love this. There is At this point, so much to do in the world for Jesus. Multitudes of people in need of Jesus. Yet at the same time, it's really good to take time just to be with Jesus. And with others around Jesus. So don't miss the picture here. Mission is the overflow of relationship with Jesus. And specifically, love for Jesus. Think about it this way. I've heard different people say over the last couple weeks, I need training in how to share about Jesus with others. And I think that's a good impulse. So go for it. Like I mentioned, talk to your location pastor about training along those lines or dive in on your own, like search gospel threads in my name or search evangelism and the gospel coalition. You'll find a variety of great articles. Or read a book 
like the gospel and personal evangelism by Mark Dever, who pastors in our city down in the district at CHBC, or Max Stiles, Marks of the Messenger, or has a book just called Evangelism. So that's, that's opportunities you have for you today to dive into that. At the same time, I want to encourage you that you can share about Jesus with others without training. I am confident of it. Let me illustrate. Grandparents are notorious for talking about who? Grandkids. So over the last couple of weeks, our family at one point was at an assisted living center in our community, and I heard a lot about grandkids. Like, spend time around a grandparent. It's not long before you have names, ages, pictures, stories all day long. So let me ask you a question. How many grandparents have gone to training about how to talk about their grandkids? Gone to a class on that. There is no need for a class on that. Why? Because grandparents love their grandkids, which is why they love talking about their grandkids. Because what's on your mind and on your heart comes out of your mouth. Are you seeing the parallel? When Jesus is on your mind and he's on your heart, he'll come out of your mouth. If he's not coming out of your mouth, maybe he's not on our minds and our hearts as he should be. That's why this first encouragement is to rest in relationship with Jesus. Get alone with Jesus. Spend so much time with Jesus in relationship with him that he's always on your mind and your heart and he's always coming out of your mouth. That's why this first one is, I would argue, most important here. Come aside with me. Which then leads to the second word of encouragement. Let's reflect the compassion of Jesus. Let's reflect the compassion of Jesus. So listen to what we read next. Now, many saw them going off by themselves and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So picture this. I, I love the perspective here. Mark is recording this account. And he's basically describing how the disciples saw this crowd. So they see this crowd. And then the disciples look over at Jesus. And they see compassion on his face. You know what's interesting about that word compassion? Every time this word is used in the New Testament, in the original language of the New Testament, it's always used to describe Jesus. So nine times in the Bible, this word is used, and every time it's used to describe Jesus, never used to describe somebody else. And there's a picture even there. There is a kind of compassion in Jesus that doesn't come naturally to us. A kind, a depth, a level of compassion that only Jesus can produce in us. A, a compassion that comes from Jesus' reflection in our lives, that changes the way we see people. I hope that over the last couple of weeks, you have become more intentional to stop amidst the busyness of life and see people. People. 
specifically to see and think about their spiritual condition as people who are like sheep without a shepherd. That's language from Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray from God, our shepherd. Each of us has turned to his own way. So for those of you who are visiting or new to the Bible or exploring Christianity, this is the way God describes the human condition. We have all been created for a relationship with God, like sheep with a shepherd, to be loved and led and guided and protected by God, our shepherd. The problem in all of our lives is that all of us, and it looks different in different ways in all of our lives, but we've all turned aside from God, our shepherd, and his ways to our own ways. We've wandered like sheep. And as a result, when sheep wander, that leads to their destruction. And the picture in the Bible is if we continue to wander from God, then we, when we die, will spend eternity separated from him in judgment due our sin. But this is why Jesus came. Jesus saw us like sheep without a shepherd and came to us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That term I've been using over and over again today, the good news of the Bible is that God has come to us in the person of Jesus. He has pursued us as a shepherd pursues sheep. That's language, imagery that we see in the Bible to describe God's love for each one of us, that God is pursuing you, that maybe even you being here today is a picture of God's pursuit of you. He loves you. And Jesus has come to live the life you could not live, a life of no sin, and then to die on the cross to pay the price for sin, even though he had no sin for which to die. And then to rise from the grave in victory over sin so that anyone who trusts in Jesus, what he did on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, if you put your trust in Jesus, you will be forgiven of all your sin and restored to relationship with God as your shepherd. We invite you to do that today, to receive the pursuing love of God for you. And then when you do, to see the world around you differently. To see people, not primarily according to what they look like or where they're from or how much they make or what position they hold or what lifestyle they embrace, but to see people as image bearers of God on a road that leads to eternity apart from God so that you might have supernatural compassion for them that leads you to share the gospel with them, the good news of the shepherd's love with them. See people not primarily as neighbors, coworkers, even family members, friends, strangers. See people as sheep in need of a shepherd and Love them with the love of Jesus in a way that leads you to what Jesus did. Teach them many things about God's love for them. So we'll share God's word as we reflect God's compassion. So can we just pause for a moment, church, and ask this question in our lives as a people on mission in this world around us? Do people in our city in our community, in our neighborhoods, know us for our compassion. 
Like maybe get specific. Do members of our school boards think Christians are the most compassionate people in our community? What about abortion rights activists? Do they think Christians have more compassion for me than anybody else? Do our lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer, questioning, asexual, ally neighbors, do they know us personally as friends who listen closely to them and care deeply for them? How about members of the opposing political party from you or me? Do they think about us? That person may disagree with me, but they always honor me and are so compassionate toward me. What about Muslims? Do Muslims in our community think, those Christians at NBC, they may believe differently than we do, but they are the most caring and compassionate people, never afraid of us, always hospitable to us. Let's reflect the compassion of Jesus as we speak the good news of Jesus. And let's rely, number three, let's rely on the resources of Jesus. Now, this is where things get really good because the stage is now set for maybe Jesus' most famous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. So let's read it. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, I want to, as we read this story, let's look at it through the lens of these disciples. So obviously this story had a huge effect. We could look at it through the lens of the 5,000 plus people who are being fed. So that's important. But I want us to think intentionally about the effect this story would have had on these disciples as they start, started it playing, as it started playing out in front of them, particularly as we've been in their shoes. So we've been on a short-term mission trip. We've seen all kinds of things happen. Now we've come aside with Jesus. We've seen his compassion for the crowds at work. But let's be honest, we're tired, we're hungry, and we're looking at 5,000 plus tired, hungry people. So imagine their surprise when Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And the emphasis here is on you, like you guys do something about that. And they're thinking, us? Like the 12 of us? Feeding 5,000 plus people a meal? And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? They're like, we can't do this. There's too many of them, too little of us, and our resources. I love this. They have no idea who is standing in front of them. It was like they were standing in front of Niagara Falls and saying they can't find any water. So he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said five and two fish. And then it happens. He commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by the hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Oh, so much here. So you might write down these side notes, these 
really significant side notes. One, like Jesus meets the deepest needs in our lives. Without question, part of the point of this story is to show us that Jesus is sufficient to meet our deepest needs. This is the only miracle story we see recorded in both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the point is particularly clear when John tells a story in John chapter 6, and Jesus uses this miracle to show the crowds that it's not just about being fed for a meal, that he is the bread of life. John records how Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What a statement. Jesus doesn't just give us bread. He is the bread. Jesus doesn't just give us what we need. He actually is what we need. Come to him and you won't be hungry. Come believe in him and you won't be thirsty. And this story is rich with Old Testament imagery and history all the way back to Exodus 15 when God had promised and provided bread from heaven for his people day after day after day, manna. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread from heaven. He says in John 6, 32, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, Jesus is in this miracle saying, God hasn't just sent bread to his people. God has given himself to his people. And this miracle is even looking forward to the feast that Jesus will one day provide for all who trusted in him from every nation and tribe and tongue who will gather at his table. The whole point is Jesus alone is able to meet the deepest needs in our lives. So to every soul that longs to be satisfied, to every person who has tried to fill your stomach with the things of this world, only to find yourselves hungry again, taste and see that the Lord is good that Jesus is good and he alone is able to meet the deepest needs in your life. And then, so watch this, because this is where things go to a whole other level. Jesus not only meets the deepest needs in our lives, this story is showing that Jesus meets others' needs through our lives. So watch this and think about it with me. This is so important. If the point of this story was just to show Jesus' power to meet people's needs, including our needs, then he could have called down bread from heaven right there on the spot. Just falls into people's laps. And the people would have seen, and arguably they would have recognized even more so who he is. But instead, he prays, he asks for the Father's blessing, and then what does he do? He calls his disciples to his side and he gives them the bread notice Jesus doesn't give out one piece of bread in this story instead he gives the bread to the disciples and they distribute it they set it before the people now we're not told exactly how this miracle took place our imagination is free to wander about how these loaves suddenly begin to multiply from the their hands into other, others' hands, like what a scene. But that's the picture, the hands of Jesus serving the hands of his disciples and the hands of his disciples serving 5,000 plus people. The miracle didn't bypass them. The miracle actually involved them. What a 
powerful picture of how Jesus is not only sufficient to meet needs in us, but he is gracious to meet others' needs through us. Disciples of Jesus are an extension of the grace and power of Jesus in the lives of multitudes of people. Wow. You just pause and think about that right where you're sitting right now. Are you surrounded by needs in people's lives where you live? You work, you go to school in this world. Together, we're surrounded by so many needs in the city. Five million plus people without Jesus in the world. Surrounded by three billion plus people who have hardly heard about Jesus. We are surrounded by need. So in the face of such need, do not think for a second, what can I do about it? I have so little. Don't even begin to think that way. We are standing at Niagara Falls. There's plenty of water. Jesus stands ready to meet the deepest needs, not just of our souls. Jesus stands ready to meet the deepest needs in others' lives through our hands, through our feet, through our lives, through our work, through us, to use your life and my life and us together to meet others' needs. So brothers and sisters all across this gathering, hear this loud and clear. God wants to do supernatural, life-changing, eternity-shaping miracles in people's lives, and the miracle involves you. Just let that soak in right where you're sitting. The miracle involves me. What a thought. So let's rely on the resources of Jesus. That's the picture here. Let's rely on his resources. Let's realize that Jesus, the one who is able to meet people's deepest needs in us, and not just in us, but around us, he desires to work through us. So then let's be the most generous, sacrificial, giving, serving, proclaiming the gospel kind of people on the planet. And as we do, may Jesus multiply the resources he's given us for the good of others and the glory of his name among the nations, starting right here in Metro Washington, D.C., which inevitably leads to number four. Fourth word of encouragement. Let's receive the blessing of Jesus. Receive. Can you imagine the blessing of just being involved in this miracle? Like, put yourself in these disciples' shoes. Just a minute ago, you saw five loaves and two fish. And now Jesus has handed you some of that bread, and then you go back, and there's more. And there's more, and you're handing out, and you're looking at other disciples like, what's going on here? It's like, I don't know, just keep giving it out. You're like, you're like there were two fish. And you're like, yeah, it looks like, like a whole sea, like right here. I don't know how this happened, but it's, like, can you imagine the joy on their faces? Like the exhilaration and being a part of this work, and you're the one doing it. And they're like, where'd this come from? We're like, ah, Jesus. <laughs> like, what an overwhelming scene. Joy and elation. And if that isn't enough, just being a part of it can be a coincidence that the disciples pick up leftovers and there are 12 baskets full. 12 baskets of bread in the hands of 12 disciples. They've given it all out and then they're looking at 12 baskets, each of them holding a basket like, what just happened? This was awesome. Get the picture. 
When you are in relationship with Jesus, reflecting the compassion of Jesus, relying on the resources of Jesus, not just in your life, but for the sake of others' lives, there is blessing to receive. And this is life. It's not just life for others. It's life for others, and it's life for you. You're missing out on life if you're missing out on mission with Jesus. You're missing out on life. This call to mission trip, call to mission life, is not just for others' sake. It's certainly for their sake for all of eternity. But it's for your own sake. It's for my sake. Do do we want to miss out on this? No. We want to make this our life. And not just over the last two weeks. Keep it going. Let's live in this city where over 5.3 million people are without Jesus. Let's Let's see this city like Jesus sees. The people in it with his compassion. Let's rely on his resources, not our own. And let's step into miracles that Jesus wants to do in people's lives this week in this city through us. All as the overflow of relationship with Jesus. And then let's go wherever God leads into a world where over 3.2 billion people don't even have access to the good news about Jesus and where God desires to do all kinds of miracles, not just on his own, but through you and me. This is life. Let's live it to the full together, church. Would you bow your heads with me? I trust that we have heard from God in his word today. Not through my words, but from him and his word. So I ask you, right where you're sitting, in this room and other locations online, one, have you put your trust in the bread of life? Have you put your trust in Jesus for life, for eternal life? Have you come back to God, your shepherd? Some of you have never put your trust in Jesus. Others of you have wandered far from God as shepherd. And God, in his pursuing love, has brought you to this moment. I just invite you to pray to him where you are. And just say, God, I, I want to return to you as the shepherd of my life. Maybe for the first time, to put my trust in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins, rose from the grave. I want relationship with you. Or maybe for the first time in a long time, to come back to God, your shepherd, through Jesus, Savior and Lord of your life. And for all who know Jesus, who have relationship with Jesus, we just pray together, God, help us. Jesus, help us to obediently do what your disciples got to do that day and be instruments in your hands, vessels for the spread of your grace and your love in others' lives. God, we pray that this week we would be just as intentional even more intentional 
about praying for opportunities to share the good news of your love. In everyday life, with everyday love, caring for others with compassion, with your compassion, God, help us to see like you see. Help us to speak your word. Grant us boldness, we pray. We pray that this week, more sheep might be drawn to you as shepherd. God, we, we pray for this, and we pray that you would keep us. Don't let us go through a nice, comfortable Christian span on the American dream that stays silent with the gospel. Don't let us live that kind of life in the process of miss life. Lord, help us to step into a life of proclaiming, sharing your love in schools, workplaces, neighborhoods, with family and friends, and strangers, Starbucks. And God, we pray that the gospel would spread like wildfire through our church family and through churches all across our city, here and among the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Gender, sexuality, artificial intelligence, race, justice, genomics, the metaverse. It's all so very complicated, fragmented even. And everyone has an opinion about everything. But what does the Bible say about all of these issues? About you, about me, about the seven billion people that fill every street, town, campus, village, apartment, and neighborhood on earth. Join us for Secret Church, a unique one-night event streamed online to more than 50,000 participants around the world. Encouraged by our persecuted brothers and sisters' example, we meet for close to six hours for intense study of God's Word and passionate prayer for the persecuted, taught and led by David Platt. Join us on Friday, April 29th, 2022 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Participating in the Secret Church live stream is easy. You can stream from your church, home, office, or anywhere you have an internet connection. You can find out more or register for Secret Church at Radical.net. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacey Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.